Hey, podcast friends. If you love our podcast and want to help support us to continue making cool shit, consider joining our Patreon community. Get early access to each episode, a monthly hangout on Zoom, custom answers to your questions in exclusive Patreon videos, and much, much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash conversations with creators to become a patron today. Your support means the world to us. Now on to the episode. Is there any advice you would give to somebody maybe going into work with a big name for the first time? I would say with the advent of social media today, it's not so hard to get past gatekeepers. Um, the hard part is giving them something of value. Now, I went to these people, not asking for a favor. I essentially said, here's what I got, here's what I can offer you. Take it for free. I went through this whole stint with mental health and I really didn't know a way out of it. But thankfully, there were people who were really big advocates transcendental meditation. It's made a huge, just a tremendous change in my life in terms of sobriety and not smoking cigarettes and overdoing it with certain substances. Hey, quick question before we get started. Would you like to win a free piece of clothing from Snowman Films and a 30-minute chat about your creative journey with me? I know that I would love to connect with you, and I know that I would have loved to talk with somebody who had experienced a similar path when I was getting started. So let's make it happen. Here's what you need to do. Subscribe to the Conversations with Creators podcast, rate and review and share it in just five easy steps. First, write a review on your preferred podcasting platform and rate it. Five stars for good karma. Then, screenshot your review and share it on social media, tagging Snowman Films. Each month, I'll select one random winner to receive a free piece of clothing from our store and a 30-minute virtual coaching call with me. Again, subscribe, write a review, rate the show, screenshot that review, share it on social media tagging Snowman Films, and get entered into a drawing for that one-on-one virtual session with me and some free swag. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave me a review. I really appreciate you, and I'm excited to see you in our one-on-one virtual call soon. Now, let's dive into today's episode. So the big question is this, how are creators like us who aren't built for the nine to five, for the people who put their passion before them being comfortable? How do we turn that passion into a living that pays the bills and a life that we love? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answers. My name is Noah Mittman and welcome to Conversations with Creators. All right. Welcome to Conversations with Creators. My name is Noah Mittman. I am a filmmaker and podcaster and all the things. And my guest today is Novin JC, who is a similar creative to me. I've done a lot of stuff, uh, producer, writer, director, all those things. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Novin. Thanks for having me on the program. <laughs> Yeah, so you wear a lot of hats and have worked with uh, quite a few uh, big names in the uh, in the industry. It's uh, it's an honor to have you on. Um, what were what was the I, I you know you kind of have a few names on your website. What was the capacity that you worked with the uh, the Beach Boys, John Stamos, and Henry Winkler? In? Well, I think a lot of it stemmed from my relationship with the Beach Boys, and then that kind of snowballed into other projects that were great. Um, I was a really big fan of the Beatles and the Beach Boys and basically 60s music. Yeah. At five, six years old, I've been obsessed with 60s music, in particular the Beach Boys and the Beatles. And after working in the industry for five to six years, I got really bored when the novelty wore off. You know, initially when I started working, even videos at corporate stuff would excite me. And then after some time, I was like, you know, I'm getting really bored 
all work on stuff that I'm really excited about. But I was always really excited about music. And people like Paul McCartney, Mick Jagger, Mike Love of the Beach Boys. And I was like, you know, I feel like I'm, I could provide value to these guys. Maybe I should just try approaching them. So I managed to get in touch with the Beach Boys. I gave them work free, essentially, initially. Wow. And they, and then eventually they, they kept hiring me to work on a bevy of things. I think the thing I'm most proud of that I've worked with the Beach Boys is every concert opens with a short film. It's about two to three minutes. Nice. Which I gather, it's like a montage of their greatest moments in history. So uh, that's super cool. Yeah. That's got to be satisfying to see, like, just you, you know, that they stand by your work enough to put it in their shows. Yeah. And one thing that really struck me was I remember putting in a little joke as I was editing in a really dark room. And I thought this is a pretty funny joke. And then to contrast that would be in Central Park and everyone laughing at that joke, like 30,000 people. Yeah. This is a yeah, so I mean, it's one of those really magic moments to have it alone and then have the juxtaposition. No, it's very true because, like, especially when you're putting things, especially when you're in the editing process, like, it's just you and a computer screen and hoping that something that an idea that you have translates to like the bigger, you know, to to the world, I guess. Uh, and to see that be successful, uh, that's gonna feel that's gonna feel pretty cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. How did that lead into John Stamos? So John has been very close with the band since the 80s. He's also like a music nut like myself. That's right. He plays. He plays guitar, right? Or uh, drums? Yeah, he does. Every now and then he will join them on the drums or on guitar. Right. Yeah. And John usually hits me up if he ever needs anything. Uh, I've, been, I've been fortunate enough. I mean, he has, you know, a bevy of people at his disposal, and yet he still calls me up. So I, I'm, I'm really fortunate that that happened. And is it, it for it, is it for filmmaking stuff with him? Yeah, filmmaking stuff. It could be anything, any project he's working on, proposal or whatever. He recently had a uh, podcast out about um, Frank Sinatra Jr.'s kidnapping, and uh, I helped him put some stuff together for that too. So pretty nice. fun. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's cool because it sounds like you're kind of a, a jack of all trades, which you know a lot of us are in the industry, and you kind of have to be that sometimes when there's a specific request, whether it's like audio or video, like just generally being a creative, you have to be kind of flexible and it's that kind of always say yes mentality, right? Yeah. You have to be just like ready to go. <laughs> That's good. I, I'm curious about you, know how long have you been, I mean, how long have you been in filmmaking? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, since high school really. So I started in, uh, I think I want to say like 2006 uh, with, you know, my, actually it's funny. I just recently ordered my first camera uh, again. Oh, wow. Like a little mini DV Canon. <laughs> this is what I started on back in the day, which uh, all of us that have worked with mini DV knows what a pain in the ass it is. <laughs> I remember those. And yeah. like, what was the progenitor to get you in the filmmaking? Was there a specific event? Yeah, it was actually so it was crazy. Um, it was back in the days of Blockbuster, and uh, you know when you would like rent three movies and you know go home, and that was your weekend in a dark room. <laughs> that was my high school experience. Uh, but no, I uh, I saw I had the Matrix DVD, 
and I watched the behind the scenes featurette on making it. And I, I think it's online now, but like, you know, it's on the rooftop and there's helicopters and everything. And it's just this whole crazy thing. And I saw all the people working behind the scenes and I was like, oh my God, like this movie's like has such a big impact on me. And there's all these jobs in this industry. I could like become a filmmaker. I could be on that set. And yeah. uh, that just got me so excited and kind of got me on the trajectory and I haven't really slowed down since. Yeah, and I just really enjoy talking to creatives too because like it's, that's always, I mean, again, the show is conversations with creatives. Like that's just, I enjoy talking shop and talking, you know, process and all that. So that's uh, that's how we're here. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's correct. Cool. Yeah, really I started in 2006 and I've been professional since 2012. Perfect. That's uh, that's great. I'm curious to know because I often when whenever I'm talking with creatives, I'm I'm always curious to know which part of the process um, that they have the most trouble with. You know, sometimes yeah. Stephen Pressler talks about resistance in the a war of art, and it's a real thing. Like sometimes you're so passionate about something, but there's a a pullback at times uh, in the creative process because maybe you're a perfectionist or something like that. So I'm curious to know. In your experience, which part do you find the artists? Oh, that's, man. I think, let's see. The consistency, so, so the consistency in uh, putting out my own stuff. Like, so paying the bills always, like, because I have a family, that's always, like, the most important thing for me is, like, okay, cool. I, I need creative work that, you know, so I'm following my own career, but also need to be paid for it. Um, but I also, you know, have passion projects or whatever it is that I want to get out and, um, keeping the energy, like you say, you know, I did, I've delivered what four edits in the last two days, uh, for clients, uh, as well as being on set. So it was like, it was a lot. So having the energy to then also, um, keep my own stuff going, uh, and be consistent with it. I think that's the biggest thing is like not spreading creative energy too thin, um, which actually leads into a perfect question that I saw on, on your bio is that uh, you ha you say that uh, transcendental meditation helps you with that kind of stress levels. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So I've always been um, interested in learning TM ever since I was a kid, funnily enough, ever since I saw the Beatles go to Rishikesh, India. And yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. In fact, I was talking to Mike Love uh, of the Beach Boys. He was also on that trip with the Beatles. And uh, we were talking about maybe doing a documentary of going back there, kind of, because he hasn't been back since. Yeah. That particular ashram. He's been to India multiple times. But That would be a cool project. Yeah, it would be really cool. But I remember I went through this whole stint with mental health and kind of overdoing it with some a couple of substances. And I really didn't know a way out of it. But thankfully, there were people who were really big advocates of practical meditation. And I was thinking, you know what, I'll just give it a try. And they were saying, you know, if you if you were to take the course, you probably will stop smoking cigarettes. And I don't know how it is in your neck of the woods, but in my neck of the woods, anyone in production is usually on something. Oh, yeah, for and, sure. <laughs> And, and a fair cigarettes. Yeah. And it's like, and you know what? Or cigarettes or cat or just ridiculous amounts of coffee or whatever it is. 
yeah, it, it, some, and, and you know, I always kind of looked at it like there are certain people who have such high volume of stress. I'm like, you know what? You're better off smoking. I think if you don't smoke, you're going to be worse. <laughs> and, uh, well, anyway, so I took the course and I, I guess I was lucky in some ways that people around me were, were doing it. And so it's been a practice that I've been doing since 2017 and it's made a huge, just a tremendous uh, change in my life in terms of sobriety and not smoking cigarettes and overdoing it with certain substances. Yeah. Um, so it is a it just beautiful... center you or what exactly does it do? It does a, a few things. Number one is it gives me high energy. I, I noticed before I took transcendental meditation, my energy was kind of, uh, I was kind of losing it really. It wasn't as high as it used to be. It, it provided me with a lot more energy and then clarity, but ultimately I feel it may be more emotionally fit. And I always use the example, if you, if you had a really, if I, let's just use me as an example. If I had a really tough day before I learned TM, I would come home and I would just, the rest of the day would be bad because I would just lament and stay in there. But if I were to come home and I do a TM practice, well, the problem doesn't go away, but it's not as bad as it would be if I didn't do my TM. Mm -hmm. So at minimum problems, lets you relax, gives you a breather and it's a really beautiful thing. I, I would say, you know, people should find what their solace is. It doesn't have to be GM, but it's certainly worth looking into. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, having that, having that balance, I think too, having that thing that can make a hard day easier, uh, is, is huge. Cause there are, there are a fair amount of hard days in this, in, in creative work, <laughs> whether it's, you know, you have, you know, a hard client or, something doesn't go the way you want or you're again kind of like me it's like you're fighting your work a little bit when you're you know you don't have the energy quite um so i think yeah. that's uh that's a huge thing to yeah i mean my i for me i think it's uh being able to kick back and watch a comedy at the end of the day uh, i got you know the way i i kind of wound down from yesterday when i you know i was running on like three hours of sleep because of turnaround times on set and uh just you know watching some veep and having having a beer and just relaxing for a little bit yeah i mean we all need practices i mean there's you know it better than anyone there's a lot of stress that comes with this job oh it's not a lot of and i guess that's how it is in the arts <laughs> it is it is uh you have to really love it because it is not an easy career by end like in any capacity in anything you're doing um speaking of kind of the different types of things so you again on your website kind of writer producer director editor which one of those is speaking of kind of preferences which one of those is kind of your favorite to do it really depends on the project it's sometimes for comedies and stuff i do like writing yeah um it's for music i love editing is you can really orchestrate and you can kind of be the conductor and how you have the, those peaks and valleys. So it really would be circumstantial dependent on the, uh, the project. But I love to this day, and I know a lot of people don't like it. I love editing. Depending on the project, I still love to edit. I just Me love <laughs> Oh, and it, it all ends on you. You could create a great DP, great director and everything. But if the edit is not right, Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's the classic saying what you, you 
build the story three times it's in you especially in film or whatever but even i would say in client work like in commercials and stuff and, and especially in, in music videos is you know you have the concept written down the initial idea and then you have what you actually capture on set versus that and then it's all just random footage until the edit process where it's actually like you put the story together and you have to be able to see that in your mind yeah no that's and uh i mean is that kind of what excites you about editing is the storytelling process or is it kind of also the style and the syncopation and like that's that's some of the stuff i love is like really adding some style to an edit and like making those moments where even people that aren't in the industry is like oh that was a cool like thing that just happened with the art yeah, there's definitely some of that, the stylistic aspect, but I think even more at its core, I love that we can make people laugh by just a change of song, and then at the next minute, we can make them cry by, you know, showing a picture of someone who's no longer in here, or maybe when something for your family, and you have pictures of, you know, parents or family members who are no longer around, just a little montage in slow motion, and it can affect the way people feel. It's really powerful. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. It's, uh, that's really, and I think the audience aspect of that is really cool. Like being able to show the work and have it. And that's kind of why the, the, I guess the social media side of things with the comments and with, you know, reactions is fun. Cause it's, it's kind of that immediate feedback. It's obviously the best is like in the room in a showing or something, but, um, being able to see you know, that you affected somebody. That's, I think, why, the the base of why we do creative work. I agree completely. Yeah, and I didn't notice that when I got into it. I think, like, after several years, when you see how, how happy you make people feel and the reaction they give, or if they yell, or if they laugh, or if they guffaw. So it, it's like, that's my favorite part, is really looking at people's reactions uh, when when they watch a finished product. Yeah, I agree completely. <laughs> like, I almost, I've been to several, like, showings and stuff. I almost don't want to watch the screen. I want to turn around and watch the audience because that's, like, if I thought, again, totally, like, if you think something's funny and then it translates to a laugh, like, that's that's a really cool moment. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, obviously, you're doing a lot of on-set work. Uh, is there something that, from that process that crosses over for you when you sit down? Because I know you, you've written a book. Uh, anything that from onset that crosses over to the book writing process? Well, for me, after what I went through with mental health, and it led to me being unemployed for about a year, essentially. And then I remember when I first started getting back into it, I had so much anxiety. I had to leave. I usually had to, I would start a project and I would, Midway, make up an excuse to guy, I just can't do this. I got to walk away from the project because the anxiety was at such high level. So I had my back to the wall and I had to learn these tools and strategies to get me through the work. Yeah. So the crossover is that everything this book has was stuff I needed to learn so I could get back into the industry. So for someone who maybe went through something similar that I did, maybe you're battling addiction. Uh, maybe you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder and you were put into a psych psychiatric unit, something like that, which I had went through. But this book could provide you a lot of value and it's not philosophy or it's not positive thinking. You know, I think positive thinking is nice, but I believe in intelligence. So this book is really about tools and strategies that you could use 
to basically improve the quality of your life. And to me, the quality of your life is the quality of your emotions. As we were talking about, it's really the most important part of life. If you, I mean, if, even if you win all the awards and get all the accolades, and yet you're you're not happy with yourself, and what's the point, really? I know completely. And there's so many people too that like really rely on, or like that think that all that stuff will work. But it's if you're you know if you're not happy at the end of the day sitting on your couch alone or with family or whatever, then none of the other stuff is going to help. It's you have to have that that balance and that happiness just again it has to has to you know come from you at first yeah and i never realized that it it's analogous to being physically fit we also have to be emotionally fit i mean i recently the documentary on Anthony Bourdain that he was a guy who was seemingly had everything or a case like Robin Williams I mean you don't even need to go back to like Elvis Presley it's are guys who have accolades that you could ever want and everything that you would dream of and yet they weren't happy with themselves because they didn't have that emotional fitness. And I think it's really important for us to realize just how important those things are. I had no choice but to learn it because I was put there. I was under duress in many ways. Yeah, no, and that, I mean, that's, it's going to save lives, honestly. Like, you know, all those, you know, amazing, amazing people that left us because of not having, not having it under control or, or you know, being in a bad place. Like that just, it's, it's, totally tragic and i think the i'm really honestly i'm so happy that the mental health kind of discussion is so public now um that you know i think it's going to help a lot of a lot of creatives stay with us longer because uh i think that it is a kind of a rampant thing where especially especially comedians i mean i think that that there's there's a lot of pain that comes comedy a lot of comedy comes through pain and when it overtakes too much uh it'll it'll take over and, you know, bad things happen. Yeah, and I'm all often reminded of the story of Richard Pryor essentially setting fire to himself, which, you know, it can get there. Yeah. Now, and, and that's, you know, that's where... It's actually interesting because I think a lot of creativity comes from just big emotions. Like, we... You want to feel... You want, you know, being able to... Like, I'll, I'll cry at a good Walmart commercial. Like... <laughs> Um, but that level of emotional intelligence or, or feeling of emotion is what can translate to, I think your work, working on that emotional level with other people. It's like, if you feel the big emotions and you can, uh, translate that on screen or in music or whatever, uh, it can, it can really work. Absolutely. And you look at all these comedians, oftentimes they became so funny, um, was because they wanted to please a parent and it worked for them extremely talented because they had the leverage that they had to be funny i'm reminded of howard stern and al his dad never gave him any attention and he always noticed when he would be in his dad's car his dad would give so much attention to the radio and anyone who was on the radio his dad would give all his attention to so it's interesting that he be yeah yeah like that's where he knew that he could kind of talk to his dad or or communicate with his dad because of where he where him understanding where his dad's attention was yeah that's super interesting <laughs> um so i mean is there anything because you you've had kind of a lot of experience with uh some of the bigger names in the industry is there any advice you would give to somebody maybe going into work with a big name for the first time i would say 
with the advent of social media today, it's not so hard to get past gatekeepers. If you, you could literally look online who the agents are right. representing, that's easy. Um, the hard part is giving them something of value. Now, I went to these people not asking for a favor. I essentially said, here's what I got. Here's what I can offer you. Take it for free. And I, I, I did it because I had no intentions behind it. I just really loved the music of, let's just say, the Beach Boys in particular. Really love their music so much. So I was just doing it for fun. Even if they didn't use it, I would still do it. So yeah. I had that advantage, but I'm not the only one. There's so many other people out there who probably love a particular artist, actor, director. I'm sure if you have the talent and if you put in the time, you can provide value to them. And but at the end of the day, it's always up to them whether they want to use it or not. But if you put in the hours, you can get their attention. Maybe it might take you a couple of times, but you will. If you, your heart's in the right place and you put in the hours, you can get their attention. No, I love that. That's exactly right. It, it it requires the go-getter mindset, which you have to have to stay working creatively anyway. Uh, that's how you get started is you have to just apply and apply and apply and apply uh, to whether it's you know jobs or just as you said, like doing spec work to uh, get their attention. Um, how what, did it kind of work the first time for you or was there a process to to getting kind of in touch with them? with uh, Let's go with the Beach Boys. Well, for, for the Beach Boys, it was some time ago. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. I, I think it was at least one, two times. Maybe it wasn't too much, really. Uh, what I did was I noticed what they eated at that time. I think it was close to Christmas. Yeah. And they had a, uh, they wanted to, to release a single that had to do with Christmas. And I was like, you know what, let me put something together uh that were that they could use so you also got think in terms of that was that for a social media post or was it for like what was kind of where where was where were you planning for it to live i thought they could use it at the concerts so just yeah. as a back uh and which they did and it added up all over the place really uh and there are times where it doesn't work out like i wanted to make a documentary of ringo star like a full-on documentary on and I made the trailer and released it. And it got a lot of attention. I had a Rolling Stone and a bunch of other magazines hitting me up saying, what is this about? Tell us about it. And his management got in touch with me. And I got to talk with them. And then uh, at the end of it, they were just saying, we're not interested in doing a documentary. But hey, I got, I got there. No, 100%. Like you got like, that's so cool. that Something that you put out, that you put your heart and soul into, uh, A, just got a lot of attention. That's fun in... in the first place, but then it actually got them to come to you because you put out something that, uh, that you were proud of. I think that's, that's like the pinnacle of a story of how to, how to make make things like that happen. Yeah. And also anytime I'm talking to a celebrity now, I'm often reminded of how accessible they are because we often think maybe they have like gatekeepers. They're not the ones posting on social media for the most part. It's just them on a the cell phone. Really? Yeah, and if you look at the pandemic, it's just them and cell phones. So you can get in touch with anyone if you really want it to. You can get their attention for sure. Just send the right DM at the right time or the right email at the right time. Uh, it's possible for sure. Yeah, especially by coming in with with value add. I think that's that's a huge huge thing. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. So um, I'm always interested, in, and I don't think the money side of the industry gets talked about enough. So. I would love to know kind of how are you making your money currently 
and um, are there kind of standard rates for various roles? And I ask because I think there's other creatives that uh, are trying to learn the money side of the industry more, and I and I want that to be more kind of an open conversation. So if you're comfortable, kind of let me know. Let me know money side, kind of uh, what your setup is. So I usually have several contracts and projects here. I think my battery's low. <laughs> let me. We're not going to use the video, right? Oh, uh, we yeah, uh, for some of it we are, but we it's fine. You can uh, okay. You can charge. It's all good. Or my uh, it dies off. Okay, anyways, we're talking about monetary, right? Yeah. So I usually have a contract going on uh, for at least a year or two, and then I usually will. I also offer consulting for several companies, companies like. Uh, not Netflix, but companies similar to Netflix, OTT companies, essentially. I can't really name them because of the yeah, agreement we Yeah. So it will be really smart if you could get contract, uh, contracts, basically. And then that would allow you to do other projects at the side. That's one way you could do it. And also, about five years ago, I got very involved in the stock market. Hmm. Just so you have several streams of income. Because what I noticed, a lot of people in our industry... They only have just the industry and that's all they rely on. But what happens when something like COVID happens? Right. We can't film. We, we can't do anything. So something like that could happen again. So just think about that. What if another COVID-19 happens and we're in lockdown for five years this time? So keep that in mind. Um, essentially, so, And then contracts are meaning kind of more long-term work with them? Yeah. Any kind of contract, really. In, in which you, you have a stream of income coming in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. However, let me look for you. Uh, well, and I think that's, I think that's super important also just to be not, you know, don't just rely on the industry, but also kind of have side hustles and other things that you're doing um, because you need those backup plans for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, as long as you have multiple streams of income, you, you would be better off. Whatever that may be for you, for some it's real estate or anything like that. But ever since I got into just the mindset of having multiple streams of income, it's made a huge, huge difference. Yeah. What? Uh, so are those just kind of your two? Is is contracts and stock market, or what else do you have going on? Uh, primarily, a lot of it comes from uh, the projects I take on. Like for example, some of the clients that you've named. Um, a lot of a lot of my income comes from them. Yeah. Nice. That's great. <laughs> um, and are there kind of, is it, is it budget wise? Does it vary per project or are there kind of some standard rates that you, uh, that you like to stick to? It's really a mix. Some, some are per project and then some I have on retainer as well. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. That's good. So that, that's like another option, right? If you don't want to get tied to a contract, I like that because it's not too much work. Depends on the contract you have. You could be just consulting uh, the video team on what they could do monthly. It doesn't take up too much of your time. And but if you don't do that, you could have a client on retainer as yeah. well. Those are two pretty good ones. Absolutely. And and usually it seems like uh, if it's a one-off project, it'll generally be like higher rates. And if it's a retainer, uh, you know there's more work coming in, so you can maybe give them a bit of a deal on it. Yeah, that's great. So I, to kind of uh, wrap things up here, uh, I'm going to steal the line from Hot Ones. <laughs> uh, okay. Let me know what you got going on in your life. 
Well, right now, what's taking up a lot of my time is this book. It just came out this week. It's called Make History, and you can get it wherever you get your books. Um, so essentially, right now, it's just me trying to spread the message out there uh, of this book, which I feel really compelled to share. I always say it's tantamount to, you know, if you see a funny meme or a funny video on social media, what's the first thing you want to do after you see it? Share it. Share it. So everything in this book, I feel the same way. These are things that I found and I'm so compelled to share it because I feel it helped me so much. And I hope that it helps people maybe in like a small way, even if it's just a couple of people, it would make me so, so happy. Um, so that's really what's going on right now. That's awesome. And again, another stream of income is is a book sale, book sales, hopefully. Yeah, and that's passive. So like after maybe five, 10 years, people are still buying copies. So you'd want to think of what can you do in which you don't have to basically give, uh, sac uh, sacrifice your time essentially, and it's a product or something. So that's something you can keep in mind as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, so, so much for, uh, for coming on the show. And, uh, yeah, I, I that was really, we covered a, a variety of topics, uh, that not just from creative, but also from mental health. And I think that was, uh, that was super cool. So I want to thank you for your time. Thank you so much. No, I really appreciate it. Absolutely.